the Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious life. Morning. Cop of murder. A town that considers itself close to the fictional Mayberry shouldn't be known for a violent, unsolved crime. But somehow, that's exactly how people describe Speedway, Indiana, its own little Mayberry. On November 17, 1978, a crime took place that put this little town on the maps. At least for true crime buffs. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. At around midnight on Friday, November 17, 1978, a teenage boy pulled into the parking lot of the Burger Chef where he worked to find that the lights were still on despite being past closing time. Figuring his fellow employees were still cleaning up for the night, he decided to pop in to hang out and give them some company. But as he walked up to the back door, he noticed it was open. He realized that something was very wrong. And a peek inside to find that the store was empty and the cash register drawers on the floor solidified his worries. The police were called and an investigation revealed the following. At some point between closing time at 11 p.m. and midnight, four Burger Chef employees disappeared, as did the money in the register and safe, leaving behind just two empty currency bags and an empty roll of adhesive tape next to the safe. But after learning the loss was only $581, about $2,277 in 2019, and with no clear sign of a struggle, police simply assumed the employees stole the cash and went off to party. They didn't consider the situation a dire one. But all of their purses and jackets were still there, and more than $100 in coins were still in the registers. Not to mention, these employees, 20-year-old Jane Freet, 16-year-old Daniel Davis, 16-year-old Mark Flemons, and 18-year-old Ruth Ellen Shelton were not the kind of kids to steal from their place of work, much less go on a joyride and leave the store open and the lights on. The families suspected kidnapping. Despite the inconsistencies and that none of the employees came home that night, the police allowed the crime scene to be clean the next morning and allowed to reopen with no photos taken of the active scene. Instead, officers returned to the restaurant and attempted to stage the scene to the best of their recollection. Eventually, an officer named Buddy Elwanger was assigned to the case and later admitted that the case was mishandled from the beginning. 
On Sunday afternoon, hikers happened upon the bodies of the four Burger Chef employees 20 miles away from where they were abducted and still wearing their uniforms. Daniel Davis and Ruth Shelton were both shot execution style numerous times, while Jane Freet had been stabbed twice in the chest, the handle broken off and missing. Mark Flemons was bludgeoned to death, possibly with a chain, and died after choking to death on his own blood. Still on their bodies were their watches and money, making robbery an unlikely motive. And before the crime scene could be properly documented, a number of vehicles drove through the area that should have been sealed off, and a rumor went around that one of the bodies was moved before the coroner or evidence technician could even show up. Oh, and that officer who admitted their mistakes? He accidentally took home two pieces of identification found on the bodies in the pocket of his coat and didn't notice for weeks. Basically, the scene was handled inappropriately, making solving the case next to impossible. Which is why, to this day, the Burger Chef murders remains a cold case. Though that doesn't mean there aren't theories. One of which is that the employees were kidnapped during a botched robbery, possibly because one of them recognized the perpetrator. Mark Flemons was covering someone's shift, meaning he wasn't even supposed to be at the restaurant that day. Maybe he was the one who recognized one of the killers. On the night of the murders, an eyewitness saw two suspicious men sitting in a car outside of the restaurant just before closing. The police had models of the suspects created out of clay, but no one seemed to be able to identify the men. Or at least no one came forward. Later that year, a man at a nearby bar bragged about his involvement in the murders. But when given a polygraph later, he passed and was let go with no charges. He did, however, provide the names of others who he thought may have belonged to a fast food robbery gang. One of these men did bear resemblance to the bearded man described by an eyewitness. But when asked to come in for a lineup, the man shaved his face clean, something he had not done in five years, and was not identified. A neighbor of his was also named by the man from the bar and was already serving time in prison for strong arm robberies, as well as another acquaintance who fit the description of the second man and was also serving time for armed robbery of fast food restaurants. It seemed likely that these three men were the ones responsible for the Burger Chef murders. But without a confession and no concrete evidence, the police were unable to make any arrest. Years later, when the bearded man died, his son said he made a deathbed confession to the crimes, though there is no way to prove if this was accurate or not. Throughout the years, investigators have worked on leads in the case, even arresting Jane Freet's brother only to clear him shortly after, and letting leads take them as far as Cincinnati, Milwaukee, Chicago, and Dallas. Then, in 1984, a promising lead came forward. An inmate serving 95 years in prison for rape called the Marion County Sheriff's Department, stating that he was involved in the Burger Chef murders. That, in exchange for his confession, all he wanted was his transfer to a violent prison to be halted. So they agreed, and Donald Forrester told his story. He said that Jane Freet's brother owed money on a drug deal, and he and three others came to the restaurant to threaten her and get their point across. But when Mark Flemings tried to defend her, he fell and hit his head on the bumper of a car. Believing he was either already dead or dying, they now had three other witnesses and things got messy. He led police to the crime scene in the woods and was able to accurately describe what happened and how the bodies were eventually found, 
even speaking about the broken knife handle, a detail not widely publicized. He said he was the one responsible for Daniel and Ruth's execution-style murders. He gave the names of the three other men and gave other useful information. But when someone within the office leaked the detail of Donald's cooperation, he suddenly recanted his confession and said he was coerced. Without his cooperation, no direct evidence, and the confession recanted, the case once again fell apart. Donald Forrester died in prison in 2006. The Burger Chef murder case remains officially unsolved, though they continue to hold the case open and are investigating the use of DNA tracing techniques to try and find the perpetrators. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 18th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This daily true crime podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Morning Cup of Murder. I'd love it if you stopped by and said hi. Stay safe. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.